0: Hey everyone, welcome to the Access Podcast. We miss all of you and can't wait to be back in person come January. But today we're going to be in a conversation with Elon, Kimmy, and Alec. And so I'm going to be giving a 15-minute message uh, surrounding Christmas. And then afterward, the four of us are going to have a conversation about it. And we hope that it blesses you, encourages you, and gets you in the mindset of Christmas, and what this season is all about. And so I'm just going to jump right into it, and let's go. So we're going to be in Matthew 1 today, talking about the birth of Christ, um, as you would imagine, since we're talking about Christmas. And before we go into that, though, I want to talk about, so I was at my, uh, so Remmer, who's uh, my son, he's a year and a half old, We um, plays with one of our neighbors, who's, uh, I don't know how she is, maybe eight years old or something like that. But she loves to come over and, and play with Remmer. It's it's really cute, really funny. Anyway, she was over the other day, and we were playing outside. And I was asking her about Christmas. And I was just asking, you know, what are you asking for? And there was a point where I could have spoiled, like, Santa Claus for her. You know, like, I'd never want to be that guy, but I almost did it. Where I kind of made a statement that would have sounded like Santa's not real. And so I caught myself in the middle of that. Nobody wants to be that guy. Even though I don't believe in Santa Claus anymore. Ever. I didn't talk. I wasn't taught to believe in Santa. Anyway, that's not the point. So I asked her a question. I said, I said, who is getting you your presents this year? And she, uh, she said, it looked at me kind of like crazy. Like, who do you think is getting me my presents? And so she said her grandparents, um, and then her uncle and then Santa Claus. And I was like, Whoa, I'm glad I did not ruin this. Her, uh, her Santa Claus belief. Hopefully somebody does soon, though, because nobody wants to be like the 12-year-old who believes in Santa. But anyway, I kind of say that to say that a lot of times this season is uh, taken for granted. We don't necessarily focus in as a culture on the meaning of Christmas. Even though everything shuts down, the malls are packed, we uh, have Christmas break for high school, for college, and uh, we often lose the meaning in the buzz of Christmas presents and the like. And so as we're talking through Matthew 1 today, we're going to be talking about Jesus being born and some of the implications and some of the things that I think we should focus on uh, in this season. There's a lot of things to focus on. We'll just focus in on one. So I'm going to read Matthew 1 for us. So Matthew 1, verses 18 through 24. If you have your Bible, you can crack that open. And I'm just going to read 18 through 24 in Matthew 1. When Joseph woke up he did not uh he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife, but he did not consummate their marriage until she gave him a uh gave birth to a son and he gave him the name Jesus so the question that I want to ask is what's the big deal with Jesus being born a virgin so what's the big deal of Jesus being born a virgin so before, as we an, to answer that question, I want to talk about the claim, a claim versus an opinion. So, an opinion is subjective to an individual and is up for debate. But when someone makes a claim, it's not a matter of arguing whether that claim um, is 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 subjective to uh, perspective or opinion. A claim is either true or false. It's not necessarily up for debate. So, a claim. When somebody makes a claim, we need to either accept it or we need to reject it. And so to, to give you an example, and I'm going to be kind of working this example throughout the, uh, the, the message portion um, in the podcast is about a year and a half ago, maybe two years ago, this guy showed up to access and he was not a young adult. He was an adult man who showed up to access and I could tell, not that I was judging him, but I could tell by his appearance in his eyes that this guy was was definitely on drugs or something was wrong with this guy. And so he was walking in the ground floor. I walk up to him and I start talking to him because I don't want him to get like into the ground floor because I just want to make sure that he's safe and the, and the room was safe. And so I, I, I start talking to him and get his name and having a conversation. Alec, I think I've told you this story before in a lot. And I think you know it too. And anyway, so... Long story short, I'm talking to this guy, and this guy is, like, tripping on something. He is, like, in a different universe, and he, and he claims, he, he leans into me. I'm talking to him, and he leans in, and he's like, Jake, I need to tell you something. I'm an archangel, and I'm like, what? So this guy claims to be, like, an angel, right, and God sent him, and there's a whole other story about how this guy actually stole a car and from a convenience store in Wyoming and then drove it to Rez to give it to the church as an offering. But anyway, and it actually happened, the police showed up and the car was in the parking lot. So this, this is just a crazy story. Anyway, but he claimed to be an archangel. And so not I'm not comparing Jesus to this guy, but I'm making an example of a claim. And so when somebody makes a claim, it's a big deal. You either need to accept it or you need to reject it. And so if the claim, um, so when Jesus when the Bible makes the claim that Jesus is born of a virgin, there are two options with this claim, much like the options with my, the guy who showed up at Access. You either accept it or you reject it. If the claim is inaccurate, and the person, that means that the person making the claim is crazy. If, if the claim is inaccurate that Jesus is born of a virgin, then nothing else is to be accepted because that's an outlandish supernatural claim if it's not true. But if the claim is accurate... That means that there are implications, or that means there are consequences, not consequences, but there are things that we need to do in order to change the way we live if the claim is accurate, right? If the guy who came in, if, if the claim is accurate that he's an archangel, that's going to change the way I treat him. But obviously, that claim was untrue. And so, everything that he says after that, I'm not, I, do, I don't believe because his claims, that, that's a crazy claim. And so, when, when we have a claim like Jesus is born of a virgin, now, we've been told this for so long that sometimes we dismiss it, and sometimes we dismiss and take lightly the claim that Jesus is born of a virgin because it's something we've been told over and over and over and over and over again, and it's a piece of knowledge in our head as opposed to a claim, a truth that has real-life implications for our life. So, in Matthew 1, Jesus uh, it says that Jesus was born or conceived by the Holy Spirit. So, she was a virgin, meaning that Mary had never had sex, and she was impregnated by the Holy Spirit. Now, the Holy Spirit did not have sex with Mary. And that's an, actually a very important uh, f- uh, thing to distinguish and to focus on, because it's, a, it's important to differentiate that, because in there are multiple mythological accounts of ordinary people having sexual intercourse with, quote-unquote, gods, and conceiving almost superhuman type children. In Greek mythology, this happens all the time. And so it's important that we distinguish that the Holy Spirit, God did not come down and have sex with Mary, but he supernaturally conceived and fertilized an egg that was inside Mary. And so that's an important distinguish because it distinguishes and separates Christianity from mythological accounts, Greek mythological accounts of God-like figures coming and having sex with humans. And so the power of the Holy Spirit um, came over Mary, fertilized the egg, and allowed her to be pregnant and for Jesus to be born. And so that's the first claim. The claim is that the Holy Spirit impregnated Mary and Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus is not, of, not just human. He's truly human, but also he's truly God. And then in John 5, another claim that is made in uh, about Jesus and his equality with God is John five. Jesus makes the claim that Yahweh or God, the Creator, is his Father, and this makes himself equal with God. Now, in Christian circles, we 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 tend to believe this, but there, it's pretty crazy. It's pretty outlandish. It's a it's a that's a. That's a very severe claim to be an equal with God, and Jesus makes that claim. And then Philippians 2, it claims that Jesus is God, and he left a, his deity or he left his rights as God in heaven to come down. He humbled himself to walk with man and be our representative. And so for a lot of people, we don't reject these claims, right? We don't say they're crazy, they're not true, but our temptation is to dismiss them we can be tempted to uh, not recognize the implications on our life. The claim that Jesus is born of a virgin and is God increases the polarizing levels of his person. Now, just like the guy who came in at Access, he told me he was an archangel, so I no longer can believe anything that he says. And so by Jesus claiming to be born of a virgin... That's why so many people reject him, because they reject the claims that he makes. They don't reject the love that Jesus offers, the the, 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 the acceptance that he offers. They re, We reject, or people often reject, the claims that Jesus made, that he was born of a virgin, and that he's equal with God, and that he's the creator of the universe. And so it is not a nativity scene. That's not Jesus. He's not the nativity scene, Um he is this this narrow invitation, not narrow as in few people are invited, but narrow as in when the world comes to him and comes to his love, they also have to come to his person, who he actually is, which is God himself, born of a virgin, equal with God, there from the beginning, eternal person, Jesus. He's not just the nice guy. He is not a positive human figure of human history. He's not ordinary he is not easy to come to. The real Jesus who was born in Bethlehem is the most inclusive, yet at the same time the most difficult person to come to because we have to reject a lot of our pride and preconceived ideas of what the world is all about. And so Jesus being born of a virgin is not just the nativity scene. Jesus being born of a virgin is a claim that, it, that it's a claim that that requires us to consider and to ponder and to meditate on God being born a human and what that means for our lives as we submit to him. And he did not come into the world to make it difficult. He came into the world because he loved the world. John 3.17 says that he came not to condemn the world, but Jesus came to save the world. So Jesus coming was his reaching out to us. It was him, it was Emmanuel, God with us. Men, n- men could not reach God, so God reached out to man. And so, as we kind of close out here, I want to spend like three minutes, and then I want to just talk about the prophecy that Matthew 1 is talking about. It's in Isaiah 7, so if you, if you have your Bibles, you can flip to Isaiah 7. But it's in Matthew 1, 22 through 23. It says, all this took place, meaning uh, Joseph, uh, the, the angel visiting Joseph and Jesus being born of a virgin and angels visiting Mary, all of that took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. Isaiah, that's who he's talking about, verse 23, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And so that prophecy can be found in Isaiah 7. So if you go to Isaiah 7, verse 14, you'll see almost that exact statement, in the passage, Isaiah 7, 14. Now, when we're reading, if you read the chapter of Isaiah 7, you'll read it and you'll be a little bit confused because you'll be like, I thought this was talking about Jesus. But in the context, here's what we call a, a, a historical prophecy. So most or some, I should say some historical prophecies have what's called double prophetic um, meanings or double prophetic consequences. And so this prophecy was from Isaiah to King Ahaz, who is the king of Israel, about the war or the conflict that he had with the Syrians and some other people groups. And so Isaiah prophesied that King Ahaz would have a son, and the word virgin, it says in verse 14, you have a sign, behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel," And so the prophecy was that King Ahaz would bear a son from, right, a virgin. But the word virgin there in the in the Hebrew is actually the same word. It can be virgin or it can be young woman, okay? And so the immediate um, fulfillment of this prophecy would have been that King Ahad, Ahaz, there was a sign that God was giving King Ahaz that God was with them and that he was going to conquer the Syrians who were trying to invade. The sign was a child, okay? And so there was an immediate fulfillment of the prophecy, but the way that God works, it, it has like a double meaning in a sense. You know how we say that the Old Testament points to Jesus, most of the Old Testament? It's, it's all drumming up to point to Jesus. And so although it's kind of like the golden serpent, if you remember the sermon from um, growing in the gospel, finding Jesus in the Old Testament, it's like that, that, that scene was about Je- It was about something else, but it was also about Jesus, right? And so this is another example of that where it had an immediate fulfillment in that King Ahaz was going to have a son from a young woman. But it also has prophetic or messianic fulfillment in that this was also referring to Jesus, that Jesus would be born of a virgin and that he would save his people from their sins. And he shall call him Emmanuel, God with us. And So it has the immediate fulfillment, but also the messianic fulfillment, referring to Jesus. And I bring that up just because sometimes you read that, you'll flip to Isaiah seven and you'll read it, and you'll be so confused. You'll be like, "I don't. I thought this was talking about Jesus, but that this doesn't seem to be talking about Jesus at all." It's that idea that in prophetic um, prophecies about Jesus, there's there's most times there's an immediate fulfillment, but also that it points back to uh, events and occurrences in the Gospels that we find and. That really point to um, the Messiah Jesus coming to save the Israelites and humanity. So that's that. I want to dive into a conversation with Alan, Kimmy, and Alec now. We're just going to talk. I'm going to ask them um, kind of what came to their mind as they as we went through Matthew one, as we talked about claims versus opinions, and then we'll just go from there. So we're going to jump into this conversation. And as we were kind of in the in the pausing or in the uh, time between that last recording of the monologue and now. Um, all three of Alec, Kimmy, and Alon had said that they're a little bit confused, which is perfectly okay, because (laughs) this is not a conversation of, we have to have the answers. This is kind of a working through. This is kind of a live example of maybe like what a community group would be like as we're discussing a Mm -hmm. message. And so, um, I'm just going to open up to you guys what was confusing, what were questions that you had, and we'll just go from there.
1: I don't, know, I don't know what to say.
0: <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about let's talk about I guess the main portion. So we're reading Matthew 1, mm-hmm. right? 1 through 18, 18 through 24. We're talking about the birth of Jesus. We're talking about the claims versus opinions. So as we're talking about the claim that Jesus was born of a virgin, are you guys
1: more confused on like, yeah, what's the big deal? We all believe that, or is it is I guess it yeah, so I guess how do you how do you take that and apply it to today because I guess back then if, you know, Jesus is making these these crazy claims, you know, I mean, obviously to us, you know, we've heard it, so it doesn't sound crazy to us, but back then it was probably unheard of. So how do we take that scenario and apply it to today, maybe help us re, instead of desensitizing, resensitizing ourselves to the fact that Jesus is making these claims that, you know, he is born of a virgin, he is one with God, he is equal. So how do we apply it to our lives? Yeah. Do you guys have any
0: thoughts? I, I have some thoughts, but I don't want it to be me because mm-hmm. I want it to be a conversation.
1: I am asking because I do not know.
2: I think I'm in the same boat as Alec. In what sense? Like, how can we take that and apply it like to us today?
0: So I guess my main yeah. question that I'm asking to for us to think about a claim of Jesus being born of a virgin is how how supernatural it is and to consider do we actually believe this? right? Do we actually believe that Jesus was born of a virgin, right? And we would all say, yeah, we believe that. But now you ca- we've got to continue to go down, maybe thinking through, okay, if he was born of a virgin, mm-hmm. then what does that mean for my life? And I think that's that question that you're asking. What does that mean for my life? Mm-hmm. And so let me, let me go down, maybe the way that I think about this is if Jesus is born of a virgin, that means that he is God, and God came in the flesh to humanity. He walked on the earth. That means that God was here. And we have an account of that in the Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. That means that Jesus is not necessarily, he's not necessarily a nice figure. And I think that's I mentioned that in the in the message. He's not a nice figure. He's not just a guy who has good things to say. He's God, meaning that we, in a sense, are not submitting to a a historical figure who has good things to say. We're submitting to God, like Jesus, his claims and his life demand that we not treat him as ordinary and that we not treat him as someone who treat him as if we would treat other historical figures. Does that make sense? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I know you might be asking, well, still, what are the real life implications? And I think I'm continuing to go down this, this train of thought that's A lot of times we treat Jesus as ordinary, right? We treat him as if, you know, and he is our friend and he's so close to us. He's Emmanuel, God with us. He loves us at the same time. There are claims about him that we have to continue to recenter ourselves and say, are we living in a way that's consistent with uh, the claims and the beliefs of scripture? Or have we maybe shifted in and drifted away from who Jesus actually is into maybe what culture says Jesus is
2: mm-hmm.
0: following or is that even making it more confusing because we can restart this whole thing <laughs> and go from a no, different No, it
1: makes sense to me because I think in today's culture I think we have a lot of there's a lot of just like lukewarm consumer minded Christians and when you think about the and I, I want to pause there
0: I want to pause there. I am tempted to be that same lukewarm Christian.
1: Yeah, It's not that they're are.
0: out there somewhere that, you know, these other people. It's like, no, I'm tempted by culture mm-hmm. to view Jesus as ordinary. Mm-hmm. I'm tempted by culture to, to question, was he really born of a virgin? Yeah. Or maybe was it something, you know, was it something else? Does it really happen? That's what I'm saying is like there's yeah. the temptation that we can treat this as
1: not actually have happened, you know. Right. So keep going. I think putting in that mindset when you think when you're talking about like, historical figures, people could not that th- it's bad to follow like someone say a historical figure like Martin Luther King Jr. or just any person that you could think of like following these people, their beliefs, like whether they're Christian, non Christian, good or bad. It's like they're still just people. Whereas if we really believe that you know Jesus was born of a virgin and that he was he's from God he is God then it really should cause a shift in our minds to say like okay this is not just you know a teacher that you would think about in school this is not just a principal this isn't a boss this is God God the son who came here on earth and we're following him he's not just you know the authorities placed in human rights by God he is God he is the authority of God Hmm. and I think that should really cause us to to think about you know, how we live our lives. Because if we're really dedicating our lives to Christ, we're dedicating our lives to the Lord. We're not dedicating our lives to man.
2: Um, Jake, when you were talking and just expounding on that, it was making me realize, like, you're showing us, like, this claim. And, yeah, a lot of Christians today, like, we believe it. But do we, like, deeply believe it? Like, the more we meditate on it and the more we just, like, think about it and let the Lord, like, re- like spark that claim in our minds in a new way, like the deepness of the claim actually is like so significant that when we usually just read over it, it's just like, Oh yeah, Jesus was born of a virgin. That's, that's like the whole thing. Right. But like, it's so much deeper than that. And it made me wonder like how many other claims does he make that we just like glaze over and like Mm. not really let the Lord, like, med- like meditate that in our hearts and like let him speak into it deeper and deeper. I
0: love that, Kimmy. It's just, it's just like don't allow the claim to be the claim. Allow God to work that in us mm-hmm. and allow him to maybe retrain us into think, thinking more accurately and thinking more relationally and having him transform our mind and how we think. I, I I love that application. I think that's a great application to this.
2: Yeah, even like when you were just like saying it and you were like, diving it deeper and like trying to explain it to us. I still felt like there was so much more that the Lord wants to show us in that. And just like actually like getting alone with him and asking him like, how deep does this go? And just letting him show us that is so much greater than we can even try and figure out on our own.
0: Yeah. One of the things that I wanted to go in, in the the monologue portion that I didn't have time for is that God with us isn't just God coming. It's like, why did he come? And that's, I think what you could go. Why Mm -hmm. did God come? Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's John three seventeen. He didn't come to condemn the world. He came to save the world. He came, like he didn't come just because he was like, let's go and mess with all those humans and walk on water and do some miracles and just, you know, blow their minds. So it was like, no, he came for humanity and he came because he loved us, you know? Mm-hmm. And as you go into that on your own and as we go onto that and in prayer and in meditation and in our reading of scripture, it really just reshapes, I found, that reshapes my... Beliefs and it centers me on these things that are unmovable, right? Mm -hmm. And that really helped me.
3: Yeah, I think I'm like on a different wavelength, and I think I'm still kind of confused because you had mentioned at the beginning about like opinions and claims, and so I I think I'm kind of still confused on the opinion part.
0: Yeah, they. I didn't. I didn't necessarily touch on. Yeah. What an opinion versus what a claim is. Mm An opinion would be a subjective or a personal viewpoint on something, right? Yeah. And so when Jesus makes the claim, or the Bible makes the claim that Jesus was born of a virgin, it's not it's not an opinion as in like, do you think he really was or do you think he wasn't? Do you think, how do you think that, you know, like mm-hmm. when an opinion is like, you know, like, what do you think about that painting? Mm-hmm. You know, an opinion would be, what's your opinion on that? Do you like it or do you you dislike it? What do you like about it? What don't you like about it? Mm -hmm. A claim is something that is either true or untrue. Right. And so when we think about the claim, so the opinion would be, do you think Jesus is a nice guy or not? You know, it's like, okay, well, you can have your own opinions based on what you read in scripture and whether he's nice or true. But when it comes to, like, that's the reason I gave the example of the guy who came in at Access. Yeah, Yeah. It's like when he makes the claim... I am an archangel, it's like, it's either true or it's not true. You know what I mean? It's such a fantastic, in a sense of like outlandish claim or statement that you have to treat it in a different way than you you would just treat a, an opinion, you know? And so you're either crazy, the person making the claim is either crazy or they're telling the truth. And that's kind of how I want us to view. Jesus, and that's how Jesus wants to be viewed. He says, You either be hot or you be cold, not lukewarm. And Jesus wants that so much that he makes these claims that demand and require his followers to. It's like when he goes up, remember, he goes up on the mountain, he's teaching and he says, Eat my flesh and drink my blood. And everyone leaves. What Jesus was doing was he was making a claim that would draw on people's intellect and their understanding to see if they would be drawn into him or drawn away from him. And Jesus is always doing that with his claims. He's saying, are you going to be drawn in by this claim or are you going to reject it because it does, it doesn't make you feel comfortable. So I'm doing a lot of talking right now. I want to continue to open up to you guys. Um, I have a question that maybe it can spark a fun conversation. So what did you guys think about the part where the mythological um, stories of quote-unquote gods impregnating ordinary people. How do you think that plays into just this story? And have you ever thought about it
1: that way? I think it's important to, to identify because even in the Old Testament, you can read about where like Nephilim or like demons would come and have sex with women and you would get like the giants like Goliath. So I think it's crucial to identify that it wasn't like these demons are not pure beings. They're not holy like God is like God. The Father supernaturally fertilized that seed and not, he didn't taint, like, this image of what God created to be beautiful, which is sex inside of marriage, so, which could be an, another interesting thing to dive into, is, like, the marriage of Jesus in the church, but anyway, but also, like, you think about, like, I'm a big fan of movies, and I watched, you know, Clash of the Titan, Wrath of the Titans, you think of, you know, um, what's his name, um, Perseus, I think, he's, the, like, the demigod, like, the son of Zeus, like, it's not, like, that's not the picture that we're getting, like, God coming down and having sexual relations with humans it's like no this is a, a pure form God sent like Mary was still a virgin she was still pure and holy in that mm-hmm. sense like there was no relationship really physically and I don't know it's just something interesting to think about because it's I don't know it's interesting
3: yeah, yeah. go ahead on <laughs> I think that uh, the there's a greater import I think I think the reason why the question at the beginning, you said, what's the big deal about Jesus being born a virgin? And I think th- the big deal is that God is holy and God is pure and he's righteous and he is justice. And in order for that to be reflected through Jesus's life, it had to be through God, it, like G- like God coming or Jesus coming to earth through a virgin. It had to be through God so that the righteousness and the purity and the justice and the holiness of God is not like Alex said, tainted. So that, you know, it talks that Paul talks about it in Romans about how because of God's I forgot what I was gonna say. But I mean you get what I'm saying. Yeah. Just like your perspective on who Jesus is and who God is, the way you view Jesus through his his lifestyle and his love is reflected through God's holiness and righteousness and purity. And I think in order, if you read throughout like the gospels, Jesus is always pointing us back to the father, always pointing us to, you know, I do this because of my father. And he's always talking about God as a father. And I think there's an importance of Jesus being clearly birthed into this world through his, through a virgin birth, if that makes any sense.
0: Yeah. If I can, if I'm hearing you correctly, we are all born from adam we're all born from humanity meaning that we're born into sin nature yeah in order for jesus to be the represent the pure lamb of god to take away sin he could not have an earthly father right because then he would have been sinful in his nature and so in order for god to redeem mankind yeah he had to send christ so that he could fulfill the law and be the perfect spotless lamb to take away sin. Right. So that everyone could be forgiven through faith. So exactly. Good.
3: It took <laughs> us a while, but that... <laughs> oh, um, I knew that, that, that. more
0: reflects how all of us usually think about these things. It's like, it makes sense, but it doesn't make sense. Let's work through it. This is why yeah. I love podcasts. <laughs> yeah. It's
1: <laughs> yeah. so good. I never thought about it quite like that until you said it. It makes perfect sense. like the sin nature that we have. So I was kind of doing some studies in preparation for, you know, the next coming months. We're going to do our prayer series, but like the the lord's prayer talks about the like the father and how god is just he's like a close father figure to us and then it gets to um like naming jesus uh jesus emmanuel jesus um where was it where they said you call him jesus that means to save Mm -hmm. and it's like when you talk about sin it's not like the verb of sinning it's like the sin nature that we carry being passed down from Adam and so like when you think about having an earthly father we have a an earthly sin nature that is deposited right. into us and that's passed down from generation to generation but God be or Jesus being from God means that he has perfect nature and there is no sin in him and so he had no sin to bring with him mm-hmm. it's just really cool to think about this is definitely a unique
0: podcast <laughs> but I love that. yeah
3: it's this is not your average daily devotional on this the Bible is unique app. yeah no no no, no.
0: <laughs> this is de- deeply considering maybe some things that are confusing yeah. let's uh let's uh, kind of move into a portion let's finish this off with just some maybe some applications just to your own personal life maybe something that you're like man i really want to consider this a little bit more whether that's about simply just the verse matthew 1 18 through 24 Maybe that's something that Mary did. Maybe that's something that Joseph did. Maybe that's something that God did inside that that passage. Or it's something that we, when we talked about the claims of God, or it's just something about when we've revisited Isaiah 7 and how um, in Isaiah 7, the idea of a prophetic fulfillment, how it can have double fulfillment, meaning you get the fulfillment immediately and, or historically or just closer to the time of the prophecy or the messianic fulfillment that happened at the time of Christ. And so... Does any do any of you guys have an uh, application or maybe something that you are taking away that you would like to share right now? Otherwise, I can share one additional thought, but I've been talking a lot, so I don't want to do that.
2: I have a application question kind of thing. Um when you were telling about claims, you're saying you either accept it or you reject it, and then you said it actually makes us change the way that we live after we accept it. So it made me wonder like as we're diving into the new claims with Jesus and having him like speak that into us. And as we meditate on that, how are we going to, what are we going to change about the way that we're living to fully like believe and accept that new claim that he's putting in our hearts? Does that make sense? Yeah.
0: So like, are you saying like, so the claim itself, like when Jesus makes the claim, right where the Bible makes the claim born of a virgin or I am God You're saying we should be going and then like to God in prayer with those claims and say, God, how is this? Mm -hmm. How do you want to make me more like you with this claim? Mm -hmm. I think that's a great application. That's a
1: phenomenal. Thank
3: you. That's really good.
1: Yeah, I think it's like to take it kind of a step further from beyond he was born of a virgin. It's like if you work through the claim, okay, Jesus is born of a virgin. So if that's true, then Jesus really is the son of God. So if Jesus is the son of God, then how does that activate your faith to live out of that relationship that you have with Jesus? Because if you're a friend, if you're literally friends with Jesus, like how are you living your life? How is he empowering you? What is he challenging you in? How is he activating your faith to live like you are the son of God as well? Because that's what Jesus came to help us realize is that we are, you know, co-heirs with Christ. We are here to you -hmm. know, live from glory to glory. So how is he? changing us when we realize that Jesus was born of a virgin he is the Son of God and now he's here to bring us into restoration through the sacrifice of giving his life he's here to bring us into that holy relationship with God so now how are we living out of that relationship
2: mm-hmm.
3: yeah and I think for me it's more of like how do I connect with Jesus knowing that he is the Son of God and how do I connect with God knowing that he is God and like holy and righteous like mm-hmm. Sometimes we get, we just throw Jesus and God and Holy Spirit as one thing or one word. And it's like, I've been on a journey of making sure I connect with who God is and understand God's nature and understand the nature of Jesus. Because from what I read, what it says in the Gospels, like that relationship with the Father is very important to Jesus's lifestyle. And I think sometimes we're like, oh, Jesus, and we focus on Him, but we also need to take the time to to reflect and to connect with who God is and how his holy nature and him sending his son through a virgin affects my perspective on Jesus and my perspective on my own life and how I spread the love of Christ to other people.
0: Hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I think my, my last application, those are all just amazing, and I think my last application to this is thinking through the fact that Jesus was truly man and that so many people, myself included, can hide in shame because of my expectation of what I should look like. And maybe I don't measure up to my expectation, but to realizing that God sent Christ. So Jesus came, God himself came to be a human, to understand what it's like to be human. Right, and it says in, that Jesus was tempted in every way. It says He can comfort us because He knows what it's like to be human, and it's just this fact that Jesus was truly human, but He was also truly God, and He understands every person on the planet. He is not a distant God in heaven. He's the God who came to us so that we could be in a relationship, like Alan talked about, mm-hmm. with our heavenly Father. Jesus came to model the unity of humanity back to God and the, the Christmas and the virgin birth is, is can launch us into thinking of that, that way that God loved us so much that he sent Christ so that we could be reconnected, not by our strength, but because of God's grace and just through faith. So do you guys have any other final, final thoughts? Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. (laughs) What day were we posting this on? Wednesday. Wednesday. Happy early
3: Christmas.
0: Can't wait to see all of you in January. Uh, We're going to be continuing community groups. And so please come in January and we'll see you guys there. We miss you. Ciao.